It's time to play ball. Welcome to the podcast with no limits. Whether it be sports, current events, or random thoughts, this is the place to step in and stay a while. Your host is a proud alumnus of Rio Hondo Prep, a former minor league baseball umpire, and a man with strong opinions. Welcome to the Get Home Safe podcast and your host, Matt Persima. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Get Home Safe. It is Friday, June 19th, 2020. We made it through another week, guys. I say it every Friday, and here we are. Thank you so much for joining us, whether you're listening today or down the road, going back and listening to episodes at your leisure. We appreciate your time. You can listen to any of the episodes we have put out this week, anytime, and all the episodes that we have put out anytime. They are there. Uh, Wherever you listen to us, we appreciate it. Uh, It's been so humbling with all the support and everything. I can't say it enough. So thank you for everyone for tuning in. Uh, A special thank you to all our guests from this week so far. Uh, Dan Baumgartner Sr. on Monday. uh, Billy Cunha on Tuesday. Wednesday, who other than Bill Barnes, of course. And Thursday, a big thank you to Rick Johnson. That was a lot of fun yesterday, putting that episode out. Plenty of uh, good things, and I know a lot of people were excited about having Rick on the program, and uh, a lot of a lot of people at Care Youth League and Real Hondo Prep gave a listen to uh, Rick Johnson, and uh, it was just a lot of fun. So thanks again to not only Rick, but everyone who's been on the program this week. Uh, be sure, if you haven't already, go back and give a listen uh, if you'd like to. Uh, if you have some spare time, we would love uh, and appreciate uh, the, the listenership. Well, guys, I have a few things uh, to say today, this morning. Uh, first of all, has has anybody been canceled yet out there? Anyone listening? Has they had any of their uh, daily life been canceled or changed in lieu of uh, you know recent events? I know there's a lot of that going on these days, whether it be uh, pancake syrup or uh, you know uh, rice boxes. Uh, there, there's been quite a few cancellations of of people already, and and some. <laughs> I, I guess some some food items and such. Uh, I, I think there's a real push right now, a big wave moving forward to cancel a lot of uh, different things out there. So, uh, hey, I don't I, I don't know what it's going to change if much, but that seems to be the the age we are in. So stay tuned, uh, stay on your toes. You never know what uh, will be canceled next. Uh, I guess that is the lesson to learn from all this. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy to me. Some of these. Uh, some of these cancellations, of course, especially when you when you don't really read into all of the details of it, of how it's it's exactly the the exact opposite, really, <laughs> of what you're trying uh, and doing it for. So I, I don't want to get into it too much. It, it kind of upsets me. I mean, every time you, you flip on social media or uh, the news, uh, which I try not to do much of either these days, it just seems like some other item is uh, is offensive or. Uh, we're reading into it as uh, we should have done this a long time ago. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm at a loss for words with, with a lot of this, but uh, you know, so, so anybody out there listening who, um, Hey, if, <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. I really am uh, that we have to start canceling all of these things. It, it's, I always talk about moving forward, but uh, this seems to be not quite the forward I'm talking about. And, and I'm not the only person who, you know, whose opinion is the only one that matters out there, but my goodness, is this really the direction that we need to go that will fix things that will make things better? 
I, I just, I just don't see it. I, I don't see it. And uh, every day seems to be uh, something else, just something else out there. And again, I think there's people out there that really want to dig deep and find negative things. If, if you dig hard enough and you really are determined to find negativity of some kind in something, you, you could find it. Uh, you could find it in anything. I'm sure. I mean, I, I just don't know where it ends. If it ever ends, it's not a good direction. And those are, that's, those are my thoughts this morning. Speaking of social media, I, I want to talk about something. Let's talk about Facebook, for instance. You guys ever think to yourself, eh, I wonder what it would be like without Facebook and, and not having that. But what do you do? You tell yourself, well, it's a way that I can really stay in touch with family members and friends all over the, the country or whatever the case may be. The crazy thing is, the true irony of it all is that Facebook, through posts or comments of friends or family, quite often it does the exact opposite. It, it, it tends to divide people and make people more upset. I mean, I've gotten into arguments on uh, social media platforms, and you know, it, it's frustrating because you're trying to stay in touch with everyone, really. And that's the whole reason you have Facebook or, or, or Twitter and all these other things. At least at least that's what I believe. But maybe people have it for other reasons. I don't know. But the true irony of it is that we, we have these things to kind of stay in touch with people. But then at times even it, it drives people away because there's disagreement or uh, – I don't know, just things, things get divisive or, or people get upset. It, it's just crazy to me that, uh, that, that that's how <laughs> that is. When I first heard about Facebook way back when it used to only be for people in college at a university, uh, you know, I, I would have never thought that it would turn into this, uh, the, the animal that it is, the, the, the tool, the weapon, uh, all, all these things that social media has turned into. And unfortunately, uh, it, it's, it's divided a lot of us. And I say it all the time on this podcast. I don't know. I don't know where, where it's going to stay in my life if, if I'm going to continue with it or not. But for now, it's there. But I think we use Facebook to kind of bring people together to reach out, right? I, I have 700 friends, whatever the case is. But then friendships kind of get uh, wounded a little bit various times. I'm not even talking specifically just now the way things are now. I mean, it's election year too. So that's, you know, you can always say those are some very interesting, uh, Thanksgivings or whatever, but, uh, you know what? There's a lot of disagreement and, and I said it all the time, different opinions, having disagreement. There's nothing wrong with that. I just wish that people could, uh, understand that, that, just because someone has a different opinion than you doesn't mean they're some evil person there. You know, there's exceptions. I'm not talking, I'm talking about, you know, if you think it's okay to, to murder someone or, or, you know, uh, all the, all the things that, that we as a society know are wrong. Yeah. Sorry. Those, those opinions <laughs> don't matter. But anyway, uh, that's just the true irony to me with, with social media is that I think it's intent was to connect people. And unfortunately, it's disconnecting people, I think, daily. So those are just my thoughts. Um, I'm going to start a new segment here. Again, I'm trying to be more positive with all of these things. And, and you may laugh at this, 
but but I don't care because I don't hear your laughs really. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I, I want to start a segment that I'm going to do on Fridays. Maybe it doesn't go as planned, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there and I'm just gonna do it uh, as a kickoff to the weekend. Uh, I'm gonna call this segment "Suds with Studs," and basically I, I'm gonna look up some people. It'll probably be a lot of military people, uh, people who have served and gone through some pretty amazing things and, uh, you know, a lot of Medal of Honor winners and stuff like that. Uh, guys that I would love to sit down and have a beer with. So, yes, it's a little corny. Laugh if you want, laugh if you want but suds with studs. That, that's kind of my uh, little, little uh, segment I want to start. Uh, and I'm going to start it up today on the first Friday uh, that we're going to try this. And, and I want to talk about uh, the first African-American to win the Medal of Honor. I've told you guys before that I really like the movie Glory. Uh, Morgan Freeman, um, Denzel Washington, Matthew Broderick, a lot of good actors in it. But it's about the Massachusetts uh, 54th, 54th Regiment. And they were an all-black regiment. Uh, and I, I ranted a, a few weeks ago about how I was upset that the memorial to these men was actually um, damaged. People were, as part of this rioting and everything, they they, they wanted to damage these the statues and this memorial to, to these men uh, that served. Uh, you know, it was all black, uh, all black soldiers, uh, white officers, everyone involved. Well, in, in the movie, uh, and, and, the, and the, as their story goes, they lead this attack at the end, um, on Fort Wagner and the, the it's the ending scene in the movie. It's uh, quite inspiring. It's, uh, it's just truly brave men what, what, uh, everything they went through in the civil war and uh, everyone who fought in the civil war, you just, you, you see combat like that. And you're just like, Oh my goodness. Like eh, no combat is pretty, but man, in, back in those days, revolutionary war, same thing, you know, one shot rifles and then charge and bayonets and swords. And, eh, just crazy. Well, anyway, the ending of the movie in, uh, the movie glory, if you haven't seen it, go do so. Um, is the assault on Fort Wagner. Well, William Harvey Carney was the first black man to win the Medal of Honor. And he was a soldier during the Civil War. He was born as a slave. He was awarded the Medal of Honor in 1900 for his gallantry in saving the regimental colors, the American flag. He led the charge or assisted in leading of the charge trying to take the fort that was on a, on the, on a beach, on a seashore. And what's, what's crazy about this is that despite being shot in the face, the shoulders, the arms and the legs, Mr. Carney refused to let the American flag touch the ground. He did not die that day. He lived a long time. And, uh, you know, I think he's he's a true hero and somebody that, you know, today there's a lot of opinions about the American flag and about I see it burned on television. I see some horrible things. And to just picture a man in the middle 
of hell, middle of combat, on a sandy beach, being shot multiple times and refusing to let the American flag touch the ground. Uh, if that doesn't do something for you, I, I mean, I think you got to you gotta really check yourself. Uh, I tried to do as much research on this as I could. Um, forgive me if I misspoke on something, but he was awarded the Medal of Honor in 1900 during the Battle of Fort Wagner in 1863. It's a long time coming. Uh, eventually received the award, and uh, I just want to say, Mr. Carney, God bless you. Love to have a beer with you. He unfortunately passed away in 1908, so uh, he lived for quite some time after that assault on Fort Wagner. And, uh, you know, guys, if you don't, if, that, if you can't quite picture it, Go watch a movie. If nothing else, watch the last uh, 20 minutes of that movie. And I think you'll get an understanding as to the type of men that were in that outfit. And Mr. Carney, uh, Mr. William Harvey Carney, God bless you, sir. And uh, you know what? You're a true hero. And uh, I know we can't, but uh, you are definitely someone I would love to uh, to sit down and have a beer with. So, uh, guys, just wanted to share that with you today on a Friday. Um, I'm going to try to do more of that, and I will try to look up some more stories like that that really are uh, make an impact on me. I, I just I want to honor. I want to speak it. We have so much negativity these days. Uh, I, I really want to want to talk about some more positive things. And that was something I came across and was just like, wow, uh, that, that hit me pretty hard. Like in today's world, the way things are uh, just truly inspiring stuff. So anyway, we're going to try to do that every Friday. Uh, going to give it a few tries. Suds with studs every, every Friday. Well, today we're joined by Roy Ramirez. He is a former roommate of mine when I was at umpire school in Florida in 2009. We were uh, there in Florida for five weeks, shared a hotel room, uh, shared a lot of memories, a lot of good laughs. Roy has gone on. Uh, he umpired a little bit uh, after umpire school, doing high school and some independent ball and such. But he he works as uh, in security now, or he did. He did some EMT work. He'll tell you all about it. He works for the federal government now. Uh, we'll touch on some few a few current events that are going on these days, his opinions on some of that stuff, where he kind of he gets his values from. But he's a great family man. You saw a picture, hopefully last night when I posted of his whole family. Just a great group of uh, group, great group of people. Uh, Roy has got a great heart and a great head, and and just just a good man. So I appreciate him coming on. I can't wait for you guys to hear the interview uh, between he and I. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll get right to our interview with Roy Ramirez. <laughs> Okay, today we are joined by Roy Ramirez. I met Roy way back in 2009 at the Jim Evans Academy of Professional Umpiring. We were both uh, kids from Southern California, and we met up, and uh, we were roommates in the uh, uh, umpire school, uh, the five-week course. Uh, we we uh, didn't hadn't met each other before, but uh, you know we were in Florida, surrounded by other people from all over the country, and we were roommates. And I gotta say, it was a fun five weeks, a memorable five weeks. 
but uh, having having a roommate like Roy to experience all that with was just fantastic. So I first want to welcome him to the program. Roy, good to hear from you, my friend, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the the welcoming uh, back into your program. I appreciate that. Oh, for sure, man. And you know what, Roy? You know, we didn't grow up too far from each other, but we had never met before. I remember you go to umpire school. You never know who you're going to meet. And you know what? I think a friend of ours, actually, uh, Phil Solis, who had gone the year before, had said, hey, you two guys, he knew each of us separately. He said, you two guys should uh, should uh, room up. And we was like, okay, well, Phil's a good guy. Uh, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll uh, room up with his buddy, Roy. And you know, we walked into that room the first day and introduced ourselves, and, and away we went. Yeah, I, I remember Phil Salisa uh, uh, working at that Honix where I was buying all my umpiring gear, and he told me the same thing. And I was glad that he hooked us up because it, it was an it was an awesome five week experience with with each other. <laughs> well, I gotta say, you know, uh, Phil went the year before, and he talked to me about umpire school. I was really on the fence about it. I had some, you know, things go on in my life where it was kind of like, all right, you know what, I'm going to give this a try. And he had kind of told me somewhat what to expect, but not everything. But it was definitely a smoother transition going there, not knowing someone who I was rooming with, but knowing at least that person <clears throat> knew somebody that I knew. So it was it was a it was easier first step for me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I know there was a guy named Matt that um, that I used to do Little League with. And he told me because he had went to umpiring school, I think, a couple of years prior of us going. And he told me about it. He goes, you should go. And I was I was like, I don't know. I can't afford it. And, you know, he gave me a bunch of games and I was able to save up to go. And when I was buying my gear at, uh, at Honigs and Phil and he's like, yeah, let's get with uh get with the, the other uh with matt and i was like all right let's do it and and it just blew up from there and i learned so much from from the umpiring school it was it was a, it was an awesome 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 experience yeah and you know roy i think i think it's an experience that even if you're not there to pursue a career in minor league baseball or it doesn't work out for you, you're not selected either way. I, I think it's a place where you definitely learn a lot about yourself. Uh, you learn all these tools really that you may not put into uh, practice in, in some other uh, job avenue that you go into uh, specifically, but, but a lot of the tools and the hard work and just the self-discipline, all of those things definitely can carry over into any walk of life that you go through. I mean, it's, it's not a military academy. It's not a police academy or anything like that. It's an umpire academy situation, six days a week, uh, on the, you know, in the classroom, four hours, an hour lunch break, and then four or five hours on the field. That, that was your typical days. I mean, it, wouldn't, it wasn't like this grueling, uh, hardcore, uh, you know, uh, exercise uh, all the time type of academy like some of these other – uh, you know, first responder academies and stuff, but it's still, it was a beneficial experience, I think, to anybody who went. Oh, yeah, definitely so, and I know going out there, I was 20 years old, and by the time, by the time we graduated the five weeks, I was 21, so I celebrated my 21st birthday out there, um, but, you know, it, with my career today, you know, it helped me keep myself disciplined, helped keep my composure, eliminating me from talking with my hands you know that was one thing about talking with your hands as a professional umpire um so you know a lot of that stuff and a lot of that experience that Jim Evans Academy taught me I use in my everyday life 
I have, uh, you know, I love Jim Evans. I thought he was a very good teacher. He was very hands-on. He absolutely loved his students. And, and you, you could probably say the same thing for the Wendell Stat students. They, they, pro they loved Harry uh, and, and Hunter, and, and they love uh, the school there. But I got to tell you, I really love Jim Evans. He was a good man. He was passionate about the umpiring profession, helping guys out. Uh, trying to get them wherever they wanted to go. And, and I could truly say that. I think he truly cared about every student from 1 to 150 or 120, whatever, however many kids that were there. Uh, yeah, he, he was just somebody that I, even to this day, still look, look up to, and I wish I could uh, have a conversation with him sometime. Yeah, same same here. I always I always wonder how he's doing and everything else. And, you know, and that I, I would like to personally, you know, one day get to see him again and, personally thank him for the opportunities that he that he's opened up that he doesn't even know that he opened up for me uh during those five weeks that that he was teaching us with all and especially with all those other instructors you know that were there too so you know I, I wish I had that opportunity to say say thank you to every single one of them again yeah and, and you know it's been 11 years which is hard to believe but uh, I, I just think, man, you know, those experiences, and again, it's a common theme on this show, is that all the experiences you have in your life, it, it's, it's the memories you make with friends, meeting new friends. I mean, just think of that, that year. Think of all the people we met from all the various parts of the country that you still think of. And, and I know we had a little group of California guys, you know, that we were hang out with and such, but, you know, you met guys from all over. And it was so cool to see that there were other people just like you with the fire in you that were from the exact opposite coast of the country. And that's something I'll never forget. Yeah. Or even, even from, not even from our country, you know, you know, from Japan that we had, you know, I remember, I forgot the guy's name, but you know, we, we Masa. bonded really well. Yes. That guy, yes. yes. Oh yeah. Our, our next door neighbor, Masa. Yes. Yes. He was awesome. You know, even though there was that language barrier, but we made it work and we had a great time with him, you know, even on our banquet, our graduation banquet, you know, he steals my son and claims it that it's his son <laughs> and everything else. It, it was it was an awesome, awesome. Oh, yeah. Guys from all – you're right. I, I, how dare I? You know, there are guys from all over the world. I mean, Japan. There were guys from Venezuela, uh, Canada, just all over. And, yeah, Masa. And, and yeah, we may have had a few nights uh, up studying with the guys like Masa. And you know what? Uh, if we're being honest with ourselves, we don't have to say these things on the air. But, you know – we may have uh, taught each other a few bad words in, in Japanese and English, you know, a time or two. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Whether it was in Japanese, English, or Spanish. <laughs> yeah, we had it all covered. Uh, oh, man, yeah, just some fun time. I mean, yeah, I didn't think I'd go meet, meet somebody and hang out with someone from, from Japan uh, like that or, you know, the other countries we mentioned. But it was just a blast. You know, I – I remember your, your 21st birthday, uh, Roy, and, and we may have waited till midnight or whatever and, and cracked a beer, and, and that was a special time. I think it was just you and I in there at the time and just hanging out. But, uh, yeah, that, to this day, I'll, I'll never forget that. And you know what? Uh, it's, uh, birthdays, I mean, the very first day we were out on the field, the first day of instruction was actually my 24th birthday. So we both celebrated birthdays uh, there uh, at, at the academy. And, uh, you know, your 21st, definitely I remember because we were a few years apart, uh, whatever it is, uh, three, three, three years apart roughly. Uh, but it just yeah. felt like we were on the same page. And we came from 
different uh, you know areas of Southern California. I was a single guy. You uh, you were married with, uh, with with a few kids, uh, and so it was a fun dynamic. Just the whole the whole time we were there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It it was it was definitely a, definitely um, a fun time. You know, and especially umpiring since I was 13 years old, you know, and, and, you know, I always played baseball all my life, but, you know, umpiring was kind of my passion that I kind of liked to do because I knew I wasn't going to make it to the MLB as a player. So I became an umpire as 13, you know, a bunch of these uh, assigners that would uh, assign me games really brought me up, bought my equipment for me as I paid them back and, you know, and started off from there and, and when I moved out to Texas in 2015, I, I returned the favor. I I went to my local uh, park, uh, baseball park that I used to umpire at. Saw some young kids that, you know, you could see the, the drive in them. And I literally just gave them all my equipment for free. And, you know, I was like, here, take use to it, you know, and, and just enjoy it and have fun. And, you know, one day if you guys can make it, make it to the go to pro school, go to Jim Evans or Windlestad at the time and or now the new what uh, I think uh, the minor league has their own uh, umpiring yeah. school right yeah yeah well well that's what it's all about uh, Roy it's all about you know I, I think the umpiring world you, you take it all take take little league the big leagues the minor leagues college high school and pony anything any level the umpiring world is special it's not it's it's big but it's not that big so to do something like that 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 you you kind of return the favor give it back to some young kids i mean that that's much like you know the players these days it'll flip a kid a, a baseball or, or or sign a glove for him and it, it's not quite the same as as maybe you know the the baseball player stars or whatever, but, but I know that you probably made those kids that their day and really inspired them to, to maybe pursue this thing and see where it goes. So that's great stuff. Yeah, it, it was, you know, just to see the light in their eyes. It's, it, it's a, it's a blessing in disguise. And, and I, I enjoy helping kids, man. That's, that's always been my passion to always help out and, you know, wherever I could. And, you know, when I was umpiring here in Cal there in California, I was doing these, like, I guess, I guess these scouting leagues and I would bring one of those young kids with me to be my partner. And I would just do training. And this is after Jim Evans, I would teach him some uh, on the field training with me and they would get paid, you know, and it was, it was, it was, it was great, great to do that for them. Cause I know I was there in their spot one day and no one really helped me. And I had to fight for my way to get to Jim Evans. And, and now I just returned the favor to help them out and, see what they go from there yeah you know Roy I started it in a league care youth league and it was always this league where they just needed guys to do it they always had either high school or junior high age kids kind of work these youth games and most people didn't want to do it some did it begrudgingly and they went you know they just went about their their day but I, I fell in love with it I really enjoyed it I did multiple sports but baseball was the first one I ever did and it was, I don't know. It was just like cool being a part of the game and like trying to take pride in, in, in managing the game and learning things as you went like, Oh man, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Uh, so, so for me, it was, it was a little similar, but, but tell me about, you You spoke on being 13 years old and such, but you know, where, whereabouts did you grow up? Uh, what part of California and, and what were some of the kind of the areas or the fields that you were working on at a young age? Uh, well, I, I was um, raised in Montebello. My parents are divorced, so 
my dad lived in Montebello with my grandma and my grandpa, and uh, my mom lived in Downey. So I umpired a few games there in Downey at, at, at a Catholic school. I did like a Catholic league if, at Persuay. Um, then I went to Montebello and Saybrook Park and somewhere in East LA. Montebello Park was, uh, was a Grand Ray Park. I did a Grand Ray Park. And then I did a couple of men leagues as well. At 15, 16 years old, I was doing men league that are like 18 <laughs> all the way up to like 40 years old. And, you know, these even the 50 year old thinks that he could throw 90 miles an hour. But you know, imagine, imagine a 15, 16 year old umpiring a men's league. Game. And, you know, that, that toughened me up real quick because they took, they tried to take advantage of a 15 year old um, as an umpire. Um, but it was, it was just an awesome, awesome experience that these assigners gave me these opportunities to do these men leagues and stuff like that. And, and eventually I, I got um, hooked up with, uh, with a league that was a scouting league, like uh, ABD, um, mm-hmm. I think it was called. And, you know, they paid pretty decent money and I enjoyed them. They treated me with respect and it was, it was an awesome time and did that for a few years. And even right before I went to Jim Evans, I, they gave me a bunch of games. They would give me like 10 games on a weekend. So I, I would have to call in sick for work because I would make more money on the weekend than I did. <laughs> while umpiring. You're not the only guy I know who said that. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes. We wouldn't do it for free, right? I mean, there's there's money right. to be made, and uh, it's a fun way to make money, no matter what level you're doing. Uh, that's well, that's great stuff, Roy. And, and I know you did. Now, after uh, Jim Evans uh, Academy, did you kind of stay in Southern California for a while? Did you continue to umpire before you moved out to Texas? Yeah, I, after Jim Evans, uh, we I stayed there. I stayed in California for a while. I continued umpiring. Uh, I went into high school ball. Um, I continued back with that uh, scouting league with ABD, and um, and that's where I did. And then uh, I got picked up uh, for for work here in Texas. Um, and since then, I I've been here in Texas. I, I that's when I retired the hat of an umpire, and I haven't really umpired um, since then until my kids were playing baseball. One of the guys they needed an umpire, and I was like, I was the first one to raise my hand. And then I was like, oh my god, what age am I doing again? nine-year-olds oh my goodness <laughs> and and texas and here in the valley where I, where i live now in texas in the rio grande valley um they their umpires are way different than the southern california umpires you know they don't gear up you know for little league as what i'm saying is they don't gear up they they call the balls and strikes from behind the pitcher's mound so it's it's a it's a whole different ball game here until they get into high school, that's when they dress up and get behind the plate like real, real umpires. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's great. So a little, uh, just a quick little uh, out of retirement moment for you, huh? Just jumping on the field, working nine-year-olds. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, I, I was like, I don't have a gear. And they're like, No, don't worry about it. Just do it from the behind the pitcher's mound. You'll be fine. And man, <laughs> I, you know, you know, from Jim Evans, always hustling to every play, always hustling. You know. Like, it all came back. I'm hustling for a nine-year-old calling safes and outs at second base. And, and the coaches, uh, the coaches and the parents are like, boo, why are you running so much? I was like, I don't know. This is how I was taught. <laughs> you can't go wrong hustling, brother. No. Uh, any, 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 any close play, I'll tell you, those, those uh, coaches never argued my, my safes or outs. I'll tell you that. 
<laughs> it never leaves you, Roy. I mean, you you could you could jump on any field tomorrow and maybe be a little rusty, but all the mechanics and everything you learned from Jim Evans, uh, it, it just it's right there with you. And I and I've heard that from many different people that uh, you know when you're trained in something like that, uh, it's just a part of you. Oh yeah, definitely, definitely so. And then especially after Jim Evans, you know, I, I took my uniform with pride. Um, you know, always shining up my my shoes right before I get in, uh, get out to the field. You know, you you could tell the difference between 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 myself and you know just a regular Joe Schmo umpire that they pick up to be your partner or or the, on the other fields. You know, they just they don't look they look sloppy. You know. Mm-hmm. So I took, you know, when you take pride in your uniform, you don't get too much uh, BS from the um, uh, from the coach uh, from the coaching staff or the parents. Yeah, you get you get one chance at a first impression, and, and you know what that that could be in anything, no matter what you're doing. Uh, so so I again, it's those little lessons that you take with you wherever you go in every every avenue of life, uh, and, and I'm sure. Roy, you know, you got to umpire a little bit, you said, in the United League, somewhat after the Jim Evans Academy of Professional Umpiring. So what can you tell me about what that league was like and just what that experience was like? You know, that experience was awesome. The United League was awesome. You know, I got with uh, with this guy named Mike Pence and uh, he – Mike Pence? Yeah, Mike, the, vice, um, the vice president? Is that who you're saying? No, the vice president no, no, of- no sorry. Vin, Vince <laughs> Price, sorry. Vincent Price, sorry. I okay. got the names mixed up. <laughs> Mike Mike Pence, before he's serving the country, he's uh, assigning umpires <laughs> in Texas. What, breaking news, Roy. <laughs> wow. No, uh, Vin, Vince, Vince uh, his name was Vince, and he, you know, he was my partner. We got hooked up. It was, it was an awesome experience, you know, traveling. Living in living uh, in the hotels for a few months, you know, and out of your car, out of the trunk, you know how most umpires live, and uh, it was a great experience, you know. I was super nervous, you know, and um, I know there were some there's some YouTube videos of me with a, a big strike zone and the most common stri- uh, ejection there and and stuff like that, and you know it was just really nerve nerve wracking, you know, until I kind of found my place at home, you know. <laughs> well, I definitely got to see some of these videos, Roy. Uh, not not to make funny or anything, because I've been on YouTube and other other uh, TV, uh, you know, plenty of times making mistakes myself. So, uh, but oh, no, yeah. I gotta, there's, I gotta. <laughs> yeah, the, there's there's three YouTube videos. Well, the one of the most calmest ejection. Then they have one titled "The 36 Inch Strike Zone." And then uh, they have one of me uh, ejecting a player, and as he bumps me, and I'm bumping him back and stuff like that. So that wait, it, it was a good excite, excitement. Wait a minute! I think I've seen this calmest ejection of all time. That's you. That's me. Oh my goodness! I can't believe I didn't recognize you. I wow! What what? Well, maybe you can't say what the what the manager said. Uh, <laughs> is there well, is there a, ver- a different a version of it? Tell us what he said, because yeah, so, you just turned so, real, real calm. <laughs> yeah, so so pretty much, you know, you know, if you hear the background, the commentators are saying, "Oh, well, he, it looks like it's going to be his day or whatever," because I guess he wasn't agreeing with the the balls and strikes, and he went out to the pitcher's mound and he says a couple of words. I'm I'm telling him, "Hey, we're not going to talk about balls and strikes. Go talk to your pitcher, do your thing, you know." 
as he walks <laughs> back, he's he's talking about the balls and strikes again. And I'm like, hey, we're not going to talk about that. Just tell me what the changes are or whatever. And he, kept, and he tells me the changes and he keeps going. And I was like, all right, man, I warned you. And I just calmly eject him. And, and then he's like, hey, you need to give me a better ejection than that. And I was like, no way. I'm not going to give you a better <laughs> ejection than that. This, this is what you get. Oh um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not uh, buying into the little uh, theatrics you're putting on uh, tonight, sir. Uh, you're done. You were warned. Uh, let's move on. Now that's that's hilarious, Roy. You know, you see videos, you see people, you see clips and plays, and a lot of times I'll say that I'll be like, I know that guy. I know that umpire. And and I remember that that clip. Maybe maybe the one I saw is a little blurry, but I remember thinking like that looks like somebody I know, but I can't put my finger on it. And I know exactly how you look like. I mean, uh, it yeah. wasn't that I forgot you, <laughs> but no, no, you no, know, no. I'll, <laughs> I'll tell you, Roy, that you know, working in because I, I did it for a couple years myself. Working independent league professional baseball is no joke. It's it's a tough game to work. Uh, I worked the American Association in 2017 and 18. That was enough for me. Uh, you know, kind of getting back in the swing of things, but it's tough. It's a grind. I mean, those guys have professional experience, some of them anyway. And you know what? Uh, you got to be ready to to bring your A game uh, and, and you know, learning the things you learned at Jim Evans. And but like you said, you were a little nervous, and I can totally relate to that. And at some point, we all have to just take a breath and be like, you know what? I don't have much to be nervous about. If stuff's going to go wrong, it's going to go wrong. And I got to tell you, no matter what level I work, I always have to tell myself that because there is a nervousness, a butterfly effect, you, if you will, in my stomach that uh, I get nervous. And then a, a first pitch is thrown, and then I'm like, oh, wait, I've done this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's exactly right. And especially, you know, I remember Jim, um, Jim always telling us, you know, uh, when you get to your first professional game, your first professional ball game, they're, those those uh, players, those managers, they're all gonna start. They're gonna test you. They're gonna test your limits. And and boy, I, I was tested to some of my limits where I was ejecting two people at a time. You know, it was just to show them that hey, I'm not screwing around today, guys. Not today. You know. <laughs> well, there's a time and a place for for you know laying down the law. Um, some people just want to uh, eject, 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 and and then there's other guys who don't eject enough. <laughs> so right. there's a fine line. I don't think you can ever get walked on. You got to let people know that you're never going to get walked on or stepped over. Uh, but some guys get pushed around too much. So there's a fine line there, and uh, you know there's there's certain times where you don't have a choice but to, but to eject. Uh, we don't have a technical foul like basketball does or, you know, you can only warn people and tell them to shut up so, so many times. Or I'm sorry, I should say, uh, please be quiet, uh, not shut up. Uh, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I, I know, I know right after, after the academy, after Jim Evans, I, uh, my final eval with, uh, what was that old man's name? Uh, Dick. Uh, Sarge. 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 Dick Nelson. Yeah. Dick Nelson, yes. My final eval, he goes, you know, you're. He told me you're a really good umpire. You're you're assertive. You're real good, but you're you're not a. Uh, what do you call it? I don't know. If, well, he said that I'm not. I need to be a uh, a badass. Like uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm supposed to use terms. Is there terms that I have to use on this thing? No, speak freely, my friend. All right. So yeah, he's like, you need. You just need to be a redneck motherfucker. That's what he told me. Oh. 
And I, and I was like, wow. It's like, he goes, you just need to be mean, you know? And I was like, all right. So he goes, that's why, but we'll get you into like independent ball, but we can't move you on to the minor leagues. And I was like, okay, that makes sense, you know? He goes, but, you know, don't worry. You'll be on the waiting list. Uh, however, I'm like, all right. So I get back home to Southern California, worked some high school ball. And um, you know how we had those scenarios that happened to us? Um, those some scenario based uh, for our schooling. Uh, there was an exact same play uh-huh. in this high school game. And I, I don't remember how exactly the, mat- the coach comes out. He's, and I was like, coach, go back to the dugout. I already know what you're going to talk about. Just go back to the dugout. And, and, he, and he, he insists. And I was like, sir, you don't know the rules. Go look at your rule book before you come back to me. And he still comes. I was like, you know what? You're fucking out of here. And I and I, I tossed him. So needless to say, by the time my game was over, my assigner was calling me. Did you really tell the high school coach to get his fucking ass out of here? And I was like, yeah. He goes, you need to give him warnings. I was like, I gave him three. How many more warnings do I have to? He goes, try not to use the bad words. I was like, okay. Well, I took I took what I took what Sarge told me, and I I ran with it. Well, you know, Roy, like like we said, there's a there's a time and a place, and yeah, I I, I think high school baseball, there's probably no no <laughs> there's probably no place for for that language on a high school field. Uh, but hey, you were it's a lot easier to tone somebody down than right. it is to 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 amp them up as far as umpiring. I mean, I don't know how many times I've been around guys, and I'm like, dude, you cannot get pissed on like that by people. You need to stand up for yourself. And it's a lot easier to tell a guy, hey, dude, that was way too aggressive. You need to bring it down. It's like, oh, okay, I can do that. But it's like this this mountain almost. Like it's a lot easier to go downhill than it is to go uphill with some guys as far as, you know, their emotions and how they how they handle themselves because, uh, man, some guys take it, take, it, take it the wrong direction or you know what I mean? Like it's a very fine line, and I've said that a few times here already, but, yeah. but it is, you know, there's – there's a time and a place. Um, you know, I'm not a parent, Roy. You're, you're a dad, and, and you know that different times uh, require different uh, tactics, right, I'm assuming? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, every kid is different, and they take to, to different things. So it's, it's, it's a challenge in itself. <laughs> yeah well uh anyway b- baseball is is funny it's a tough game to manage and you know what i think one thing people got to understand about umpires is that <sighs> we're hard on ourselves and there's a time there are times you only get one shot at at like handling a situation and once it's handled you can go back and reevaluate it but sometimes in the moment maybe we we can get carried away or we, we didn't do enough. Right. I know every situation I have on a baseball field, no matter the game, no matter the level, I reevaluated after the game. And then like, you know what? I should have said this, or I could have not said this. I could have, ah, I wish, Oh man, I would have brought this up or I would have helped my partner out this way. Uh, We dissect it. and, And that's how the next situation gets better because unfortunately there's not a whole lot of ways you can, uh, simulate those things i mean you did it we did it at the jim evans academy that was all it was about was was simulating situations to give us repetitions but unfortunately in the world real world of baseball uh we have to kind of learn as we go so uh yeah i think that your situation there was probably a moment like that uh but that's funny stuff roy just being (laughs) 
yeah. <laughs> stepping your game up. <laughs> stepping stepping oh, up my game, you know, and, and that, that's oh, how man. it is. And, you know, going back to dissecting everything, it's just, you know, like you said, you know, uh, you know, I'm a parent of four now. And, you know, sometimes I might have been my son and, I'm, and you know, at night in, in bed while I'm talking to my wife. And I was like, was I a little too hard on uh, on Michael, you know, my oldest? And she's like, yeah, you were a little tough. You know, you might want to talk to him a little bit like this, you know. And it's the same thing in an everyday life. And that's how I did it when I was in independent ball or when I was umpiring these scouting leagues with the ABD or high school, I would talk to my partner and we would just dissect everything. And, and, it, and it's awesome because, you know, Jim Evans could only prepare us for what, what it is and everything is controlled. It's a controlled area. So, you know, anything could happen on the field or in your everyday life. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, unfortunately, Roy, I don't think there's enough self-reflection, self-evaluation in the world today. Everyone just wants to, to push a button on social media and be, oh, I'm, I, feel, I feel brave now or I feel right because I, I stood out for something. Or, you know, we, we, we can't – we don't look internally enough at ourselves I know every time I get riled up about something, I try to take a breath, look at myself, look at myself in the mirror and be like, you know, am I overreacting to this? Am I underreacting to this? Like what I, I just think everyone gets so emotional this day, these days. It doesn't matter the subject. It could be anything. Uh, it could be a sports team. It could be a, you know, some of the stuff that's been going on the past few weeks here. It could be COVID-19, whatever. It could right. be anything, but we don't look at ourselves enough. There's not enough self-reflection. Everyone just wants instant emotional, uh, uh, you know, release. And, and it seems like that's that's the only thing going around in the country these days. Exactly. Just like the paranoia with COVID nineteen, it's just it's just another flu. Oh, we can't open up, but hey, we have to open up the government sometime. You know, everybody's gonna get sick, just like the flu. We didn't. You know, we didn't shut down the flu for Ebola or the H1N1. You know, it's just a normal, it's just another flu. You're going to get sick, you know. You know, you just go to the doctors or pop in some, you know, take some flu medicine, some Tamiflu, and you'll be, you'll be fine and dandy. Yeah, you know, I think, I think there's, there's times to be careful. There's, there's times, uh, you know, we talk about COVID, like, yeah, it's a, it's, there is, there is a virus out there. I'm not going to say there isn't, there is a virus out there. People have died from it, but the people who are, are at most at risk, they need to be way more careful. They need to, uh, you know, you, and, and us as citizens, we don't want to spread it to people we care about or who, who have, uh, have uh, conditions or whatever. Um, but I've been real skeptical of the, the past three months and how this has just been this one huge shutdown of everything, basically. I mean, it's unheard of. It's unprecedented. And I don't know if it was necessary. Again, people, people way above my pay rate are making decisions. Uh, but I could understand maybe a couple weeks, maybe. Uh, right. But unfortunately, you know, we've already done this now. And, and I'm, I'm hopeful now as we move forward, though, that with things opening up. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm glad that everything is starting to open up. I know here in Texas, everything's pretty much open. You know, I was able to take my kids to the beach um, just recently. Um, I was just there in California, and everything is still pretty much uh, locked tight. You know, there's only a few things that are open, and a few places in uh, in Orange County that are dine in. You know, here in Texas, every everywhere is dine. You could dine in now. You know. 
Um, they keep the social distancing, obviously, um, and everything else. So it, it was a, it's a big difference from California and here in Texas, you know. Maybe Texas just doesn't care. I don't know. Um, but, you know, people buying out these disinfecting wipes and hand sanitizer, I mean, these are little things that we should have been doing, you know, from since the day we were born, you know, always washing our hands and defecting our hands every time we touch things, um, whether it was on the floor or just touching everything in general, you know. Well, Roy, there's one thing I can say, and I think everyone agrees on this, is that uh, California and Texas are very different from one another. That, that is 100% for sure. <laughs> oh, man, I, I've been to Texas a few times, but I was there two years ago, actually umpiring college game, and I, and I wasn't too far from where you were. And, uh, man, I wish I had known or looked looked a little closer on Facebook to see you or anything. But, like, man, that would have been great to hang out. And, you know, Texas is a little little humid for me in the southern parts, but, but a little it's pretty hot as well. But you know what? It's hot everywhere, and, and I really like Texas. Oh, yeah. It, it's super humid, and I've been here for five years, and I still can't get used to it. And people have <laughs> been here all their – and people have been here all their lives, and they still are not used to it. <laughs> what would you say, other than the weather, has been the biggest adjustment to you moving to Texas after living most of your life in California? I mean, good or bad? What has been kind of, or maybe not even a bad or good thing, just kind of an eye-opening uh, change and difference of scenery? Um, I would say the culture here. You know, the people here are – are a lot nicer, you know, um, they respect one another. They don't care how much you make or what you do for a living. They, those questions never come up, you know, maybe a, a gradual conversation of what you, what do you do for a living, you know, but you know, nothing about money or anything, you know, um, there, one of our, one of my friends, he's pretty wealthy and, you know, he treats you as humble as can be, you know, he's always helping you out and stuff like that. And, that's a big difference from, from California and here. Besides the food, food from California is 100% the way better food than Texas. <laughs> Texas here in the Valley, it's only one certain food, and, and you can they try to make it three different ways, and it's, it's the same food. It's the same concept. But at least in California, at least in Los Angeles County and California, you have different foods going on, and, you know, you can easily gain 15 pounds in a day. If you really want to, uh, yeah, I unfortunately know know the feeling uh, <laughs> being out here. There's <laughs> there's too many good things to eat, and and you know what? Yeah, it sounds like Texas is very, uh, I'll say, personal and private is kind of the the two terms that come to mind. What you're talking about, yeah. general. Oh yeah, exactly. You know, at least you know, at least in California, you know, they they ask you the 21 questions before they're like, okay, I guess. I guess you be you could hang out with us, or you know what? No, not not so. No, you need to go over there. You know, and the, the acceptance. There's a there's a there's that fine line. You know, here in Texas, in the valley at least. I can't speak of North Texas, but in South Texas, I mean, people are here are very humble to to one another. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the thing. It's a give and take here in California, Southern California, the L.A. area. You know, you got. Uh, wide variety of food, very diverse uh, food groups is, uh, you know, Mexican food and, uh, you know, uh, Chinese food and, and uh, 
Italian, all kinds of great food, grew all these different things. But uh, you know, there's a downside. There, some people got to size you up before they they want to be friends with you and uh, get your get your resume and all these things. And it's like, whoa, man, we're just we're just uh, sitting next to each other having a meal. We're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, they 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 try to you know they try. It's like a job interview there, and here it's just like, oh, okay, how you doing? You know, and and it was awesome. You know, that's how okay. I was able to survive here in Texas for a little bit. You know, with with good friends and good company. Well, I have a very serious question to ask you, and it's probably the most serious question I'll ask you today. Uh, as someone who's lived in in California and now Texas, uh, man, this is hard to even say. In and Out Burger or What a Burger? Oh, In and Out, one hundred percent. Yeah, man, that that is not even a question. I still have the same argument with my Texan friends that lived here in Texas all their lives, and they've been to California or. Even San Antonio has an In-N-Out, and now we, we're always fighting and bickering about In-N-Out, you know, and uh, Whataburger. I don't like Whataburger. I don't eat there very often, and if I do, I get a salad or if anything. I don't even, I don't even touch their burgers. The only thing Whataburger's got going for it is that it's open 24 hours. And so, you know, you're in the middle of a late drive or something. Yeah, it's, it's not a bad place to stop. But what's funny to me is people who – they got to defend their burger, you know, especially the tech with well, the water burger. No, water burger is way better, you know. And it's like, okay, tell me. And and it's funny when people try to pick apart like the In and Out Burger. I'm like, what's wrong with it? Go ahead, try like. And they can't say anything. They're like, ah, well, it's that's. I mean, what are you gonna say? Oh, it's too fresh. It's too, uh, you know. Oh, it's too delicious. You know. <laughs> so, right. Exactly. Hey. Or or like you know, water burger. It's like the same hamburger that I could cook on my grill. Add a couple of ketchup and mustard. <laughs> some onions or grilled onions, whatever you want. I could do the same thing. Whataburger, at least in and out has their special sauce and, 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 and you know, and it's really, really awesome. It's really good. And I, I think when I was out in Texas, I ate it at least three or four times when I was out there. <laughs> I, you know, Oh man, it's, it, uh, I loved when it was kind of a California only thing and then it started to expand and it's probably a good thing, but there's a few out in the Dallas area now, uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's good. And, you know, Utah, Arizona, Nevada, all over all over the map. And so it's spreading out there, which I think is good. You know, get more people to uh, find out of what it is. But it's hilarious when everyone, likes tries to pick on it. Like, oh, they only have three things on their menu. Oh, then there's a secret menu. They don't even tell you what you have. And it's like, oh, my goodness, you don't get it. You just don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> very, very, very frustrating times, my friend. I mean, it's it's 2020 and, you know, we got a lot going on. And I can honestly say right up there with everything is the argument in the in the best burger in the country. And I, and I'm fighting, uh, fight, fighting the good fight every day. Yes, exactly. That, that is definitely a good fight to fight. <laughs> or even, or even here that, you know, they don't, you know, California has burritos here, here in Texas, they don't have, or in the Valley, at least they don't have burritos. They call them tacos, but it's shaped as a burrito. So it's like, so we have, that's another argument between tacos and burritos. Oh, well, I, you know, I've never, I've tried it many times. Tex-Mex. I have tried that whole Tex-Mex thing. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay. Is it Mexican food or not? Cause I love Mexican food and California's got some great stuff, especially Southern California. And it's like Tex-Mex just tries this, like this, uh, twang on it or something. I don't know. And I'm just like, guys, just make Mexican food. Why do you gotta make, why do you gotta like make it all weird? But, uh, what do I know, Roy? 
Yeah, what a, I, I'm I'm no chef, executive chef, or either. I just know what my food is and what my taste buds like. <laughs> oh man, exactly, my friend, exactly. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, Roy. Uh, you know, after after baseball and everything, as you kind of kind of slowly started to get out of it. I mean, you did some work uh, as an EMT. You did some work. Uh, some security work. So, so what can you tell me about kind of those experiences, what that was like for you before you moved out to Texas? Um, I worked for an ambulance company and, and it was good. We, we did, uh, we, we specialized in a lot of interfacility transport. I hooked up with a, a few good people uh, as my partners and stuff like that. Um, you know, and it was just an awesome experience to me new people you know it became an fto training other emts on the ambulance company it's just it's just an awesome and how how different it is and everything else and doing security work you know i got to walk um uh, what is it tiger woods on this tiger wood stuff i worked in banks and even at mcdonald's over there in hollywood and highland you know out of all places they wanted armed security and you know, Hollywood. Well, that's weird. Well, that's yeah, they, weird. I thought they had like, uh, you know, guns over in the, in that part of uh, Los Angeles or, or any part in Los Angeles. Those, the Hollywood people wanted an armed security officer. That is so weird to me. Yeah, yeah over there at Hollywood and Highland, over there by where that uh, was it the China, China Theater is over there. Oh, my mm-hmm. goodness. You know, I, there was some interesting characters there, you know, and, um, and when I say interesting, I mean interesting. It, but, yeah. it, but it was funny, you know, those employees at McDonald's treated me right. I gained 10 pounds working for them. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, gotta do it. oh my know, God. My, my best experience is just, you know, being an EMT and taking care of these, uh, you know, the sick people that are going on dialysis or just going to routine um checks at their doctor's office that you know they don't have much family to take them so then you know they use the ambulance services so it, it was pretty cool you know and now with my job now that I have uh, I'm also an EMT for them too and uh you know they've been teaching me other stuff so I'm I'll, you know I could do different things and even in my everyday life that I'm driving on a car you know there's a bad accident on the freeway no one's there I have my medical bag with me and I you know, I go assist whatever I can, you know, go help people that I can that I don't even know. I'm off duty at work and and everything else. So it, it's been a good experience. And like I said, going back to, to Jim Evans, you know, he helped me keep my composures when things are tough, when things are rallying up, you know, I can't thank him enough for all that, for that experience that he's given me to help me be successful in my in my careers that I've chosen. Well, you're a very successful uh, adult now, Ray. Oh, Roy, so, sorry, I'm Roy, Ray. I'm, I'm getting all backwards here. You're very uh, successful, Roy, in your uh, in your your employment and, and the direction you've gone. You've always been a guy with a big heart, and, and I can tell that you know you're someone who's very giving. You can obviously tell that in the career paths you've you've taken here. Uh, you know, you you live in Texas now. You you now currently work for the for the federal government. And just what has that whole experience been like um, moving to Texas for work and, and just, you know, you, you just told us right now with EMT and security work kind of helped to shape 
uh, what you're doing now, but you know, you're out in, out in Texas and what has that whole process been like? I mean, it's not something that happened overnight, right? It's been something that uh, I'm sure you pursued for many years and, and you got to be happy with where you're at now. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, in, in my mindset, I always thought I, you know, my career goal was always to either be in the military. I always wanted to be in the Marines with like my dad, but I did not, I started the process with them and right before I was supposed to leave, I, I, I didn't do it. And, uh, but growing up in high school, I, and the other thing I wanted to be is in law, you know, some sort of law enforcement kind of career. So growing up, going through high school, uh, middle school with all the peer pressure, I never did drugs. Absolutely never. Probably the worst thing I've done was get drunk, you know, but that's with my cousins at a family party, you know what I mean? And, and that, that's pretty much it. So I knew what my career path was and not working for the federal government. It, it, um, it took me four years from the time that I applied. So when my daughter was born in 2011, I applied and I didn't get hired until 2015. And the experience is, has been super awesome. You know, I've done so many things in my career. Um, I recently just became a chaplain um, for, for the, for, for my career field that I work in too. Um, so it's been, it's been an awesome experience. I'm not a normal chaplain. I still curse. I still drink and I still have a good time, but I also, <laughs> I also, I also know where my faith is and where my faith base is, is, is time to doubt. You know what I mean? Oh, well, well, amen to that, my friend. I mean, that's uh, you know, you're, you're a special guy. I mean, I, I just, I'm very, uh, I mean, it's, it's awesome to know you and know that, we, you know, we have a little history together uh, for a short time in 2009. And just to see uh, what you've become, Roy, and developed into uh, is spectacular. I mean, you're a great family man. Um, the, the job you're doing now is, is again, a, a self-service. You're giving of, of to other people. And then now to hear that you're also a chaplain and, uh, you know, in, in that respect, you, you're just doing things for other people. And I think it's spectacular. So uh, it's just an absolute pleasure to hear all those things. I do want to ask you, Roy, what, what is, let's see, how do I, how do I phrase this? But okay. How do you, where, where do you get kind of your value system? Because we all have our beliefs. We all, you know, our belief in God. Yes. Our belief in country, our belief in fam, all those things. Those are understandable where those come from. But where do you get your beliefs in just kind of uh, the things you see in the world today? Because I know that I see things and and my thoughts immediately go one way. And then a lot of other people see the same thing and their thoughts go completely the other direction. And I'm like, well, someone's wrong here. <laughs> like, and, right. and that's not to say that people's opinions don't matter. I say it all the time. Opinion, multiple opinions are great. But I think – the backbone of this country right now uh, is is very divided on so many different issues. So, kind of, where do you get your uh, your your values and the foundation of all that from? Uh, you know, just from my just growing up, man. And you know, I you know, like I told, like my parents are divorced. I I lived with my grandparents most of my life, so I got a lot of my old school values from my grandparents, really, and. And that's how I see life, you know. If I was still living in California, oh my goodness, I would probably be seeing a whole different um, view than what I see now. Now that I work for the federal government and I see the other side of the line, 
my gosh, I was like, man, what was I thinking in California? And now what I'm thinking here and, and actually living it and seeing it and working through it and actually physically being there and then watching the news and watching what the news is saying about about the um about my employment where I work and it's like man this is so not true like and but you know my parents are from California and, and they're eating it all up and they're like Roy is this true and I was like no that's not true and but they still believe the news you know and that's how I and I'm glad that I, I'm able to get this career field to see both to the, the both sides of the coin you know and I could actually see the truth in it you know California has some good things but mainly what my 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 views is what I've seen what I physically see and what I physically do is how I could get my beliefs you know and with the with today's going on you know with these views with with uh what is it George Floyd and and this new uh Alana shooting that we had you know um with my views I'm not the one to judge the person who's going to judge is the guy upstairs right but Mm -hmm. but I you know with George Floyd I totally disagree with what that police officer did to George George Floyd I mean 100 percent that was that was very cruel and I I truly believe that um I've been in in situations something similar to that where I tell my partners hey don't do that in front of me like hey that's not cool you know just keep it cool you know like they're not doing anything whatever um so you know people need to speak up and no one really spoke up and so I believe that that police officer should be in prison. That's absolutely correct. But now that we go to this Atlanta shooting, this recently shooting, you know, people have their views and, and they're like, oh, they shot another uh, black man in the back. Well, this guy was fighting with two police officers, throwing fists at them, stole their taser gun and ran and shot the taser at them. Well, I mean, what was that guy expecting, you know? So there's two different views and I disagree that that Atlanta police officer should have been fired. I mean, he should be on administrative leave. Yes. A pending investigation, just like any other shooting would happen. And, you know, with that Atlanta chief uh, resigning, I disagree. I think she should have been standing up for her troops and that's what I totally believe in. Yeah. I think it's too, the problem is people don't see it as two completely different situations. They just see, uh, what they want to see. And if we can't find common ground on, I mean, two instances happening a few weeks apart and we can't tell the difference between the two. I mean, that, that to me is a little disturbing. Like uh, one is the entire country agreed entire country, hundred percent of the country agreed. What happened to Mr. Floyd was completely wrong, unacceptable. Uh, you know, all the above check all the boxes you want there this situation over the weekend, I mean, like you said, all the details right there, there's multiple videos of it. And I want to ask anyone out there who, who doesn't like, you know, what the officers did. It's like, what, what would you do in that situation? You know what I mean? Someone, someone fights you, takes your weapon, starts running away with it. Uh, that's, that's the, that's not even all the details of it, but it's like, it's just unbelievable. We are starting to lose People want to have accountability, but only on their terms at their times in this country these days. And it's like, wait a minute, accountable, accountability isn't a sometimes thing. It's an all the time thing. We don't just right. get to have this selective accountability. And that's what that's what upsets me, Roy. Uh, and, and it could be any situation. Unfortunately, these two situations are situations that involve you know, life or death. 
But I just see this constant lack of accountability in the country these days, and it's really frustrating. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I wish that Chief of Alana would step up, and but she resigned. She, she chickened out. She was probably scared of the press and, you know, and the media doesn't help. No, for the, for the thing that's happening uh, over the weekend, the media didn't do no justice. You know, they, they blew it up to so out of proportion that, you know, to benefit them, you know, um, I, I totally disagree what the media is doing um, to, to these police officers that, you know, were doing their jobs, you know? Yeah. Oh, and you know what, Roy, it's, it's crazy because I believe the Atlanta mayor actually had a pretty decent speech uh, when when the uh, riots started going. She had a big post she made. Uh, Keisha Bottoms, Keisha Lance Bottoms, I think is her name. I, I could be wrong, but uh, she had a great speech about how everything that was going on, the destruction of property, the burning of things, you know, this is not going to bring Mr. Floyd back. Atlanta, we're better than this. And then she goes – like you said, and she didn't really stand up for those officers. And, and I'm not saying immediate action needed to be done. I mean, to me, it's like, well, let's, let's, this is not a, 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 a cut, a open and shut case like the George Floyd one was. That was like, okay, that's, there's no justification for that. But the Absolutely. video we've seen, you know, the video we've seen recently with this Atlanta situation, and, uh, you know, I, I just think, uh, you, you have to be careful. You've got to be careful. Um, you know, Rashad, Rashad Brooks took the, took the cop's gun. He started to run. He, all those things that you said, we don't need to go into it anymore, but you can't look at those two scenarios exactly the same. That's all I'm saying. Whether you agree or disagree with the end result. Okay. But we can't begin to have a conversation and move forward and to get on the same page or at least around the same page as a country, yeah. if, you, if we can't at least agree on this, that those two scenarios are not the same. So, right. and the, it, you know, and these people are trying to defund the police officers and this and that. I mean, who are you going to call when your family member is being robbed at their house or at a grocery market? Who are you going to call if you're defunding the police department? You need the de- You need the police department. You know what I mean? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to get too extreme here, but uh, plenty of, uh, you know, there's plenty of people in the medical field. I'm sure you've seen it who have made mistakes and, you know, uh, people end up, uh, you know, people die or, or end up seriously hurt. And it's like, well, defund, well, defund uh, hospitals or defund. It's like you, you got to be careful. You really do. Uh, you know, and, and what you said about the media 100%. I'm sitting here and I'm talking into a microphone every day, Roy. So I, I don't think I'm a member of the media by any means. I, I hope right. to not be uh, insulted that way. But uh, <laughs> I, I think the media is doing tremendous disservice to this country in so many different levels. The way they put a spin on things, their they're blatantly obvious uh, bias towards every subject under the sun. You're supposed to be this, this uh, truly unbiased uh, – group of people but but you're not 90 percent of them just push an agenda they push stories that are only to service uh one side of the coin uh and, and what kills me i found this out yesterday the news was on i don't watch the news but it was on <laughs> in the background occasionally i do but it was on uh someone else was watching it and and i and i was chuckling because the media you know what they do think about this i next time next time you you hear the news they talk to us in this like uh, 
super concerned. Every every news story they do is this super concerned uh, narration. Listen to their voice. They try to make it seem like it's this, oh, my goodness, this is – I mean, there are true tragedies that they report on, but they, they almost make everyday – uh, normal, non-tragic situation try to sound tragic and, uh, you know, to be more, more newsworthy. And, and it sickens me, man. And, and I could talk, I, I could talk for 30 minutes to an hour about how, uh, how bad and wrong the media is. I, I truly believe that they, they do a lot more harm in this country than good. Yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree, you know, and um, yeah, you know, and, you know, they take, they take that million dollar, uh, million dollar picture, and they blow it up to something that it really isn't. You know, um, just like the stuff here on the borders. You know, and they they take a picture of this kid standing next to her mom, but it looks like they're being separated. And if you really break down that picture, he's just crying because you know they're just searching the the mom for any for any weapons or anything like that. And then she picks up her kid and goes into the into the transport van. But they made it seem like we were separating the kids right there at the uh, separating the kids at the border, and 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 you know stuff like that, and and it blows up, and oh my goodness, now border patrol is the aim of target, and they're bad people, they're separating people at the at the borders, and that wasn't even the case. It was just that million dollar shot, you know. Yeah. Oh, it's fancy editing, and and it's it when you if you really want to talk about it, and really like it's very sickening that it's a manipulative. Uh, force that, that's out there. They will take one sentence from a paragraph and make it uh, the, the key statement of, of somebody. They will take a fan a video, 60 second video, and they'll show a five second clip and make that seem like the story. They do stuff like that all the time. And there's plenty of people, plenty of like, oh no, they're doing their job. They're reporting. No, 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 no. You need to, I don't care where you stand politically, but if you can't, if you can't sit back and be like, Oh yeah, they are seem like they are not just reporting the news here. They are reporting their news, uh, quote unquote, their truth. And it's like there's only one truth. There's no their truth or your truth. It's there's truth, <laughs> you know. So right. it's it's one thing after another, Roy. And I got to tell you, I've I've appreciated some of the things you've uh, you know you've posted. Uh, that's how we kind of stay in touch and we we stay in communication. And, and yes, I, I am incredibly uh, grateful to have you as a friend. We haven't talked in forever, so uh, we, we had some catching up to do. But but I definitely appreciate all the great work you're doing, not just you, but your colleagues, uh, law enforcement, uh, first responders. Everybody is like under attack these days. And, and I just I know deep in my heart, there's more people in this country who are appreciative of the people who do the hardest jobs out there uh, than there are people who have this hatred and want to get rid of them. So I just got to say that um, to, to everyone out there, you know what, uh, we, we, we are here and, and we don't want the police to fund it. At least I don't. I know that, uh, you know, that, that could cause some serious problems. Yeah, we need to support the, the thin blue line and the red line and, you know, the EMTs, the paramedics, these nurses and doctors that are here, you know, risking their lives throughout this, um, this time, you know, the police officers and, and everybody else, you know, you know, I, I pray for the, that family uh, uh, for Las Vegas, that the guy is now paralyzed, that police officer is paralyzed, you know, yeah. no, there's no media over there. I, my prayers go out to uh, that retired chief that uh, was killed by the um, looters throughout the riots and stuff like that. No one reports him or anything, you know, and, and it saddens me that none of these famous people 
are reaching out to these people to to our local first responders to to help them out but they're helping out everybody else that are um i get i i don't i don't want to be uh to say but i mean like you know career criminals you know like you know george oh, yeah. george floyd you know like george floyd you know yeah he he might have been changing his life around who am i to judge but you know gold casket he had like three different funerals at all different states and not even not even martha luther king had all these uh um services or a gold casket you know what i mean but we're we're mm-hmm. where are these people to help out our first responders when they're in the time of need or even our military our men and women that serve our country you know where where are the famous people to help help out their families you know what roy uh and there's there's people that do it but they're few and far between but the celebrities you know make no mistake about it they hate our police they hate our military uh maybe people are afraid to say it i'm not they hate they hate those people, they hate what they stand for uh, because those people don't worship them, the ground they walk on. And, and that's probably the biggest reason why. And, and you know what? Um, but they're the first people who request, uh, you know, armed uh, security and guards and this and that. And again, a whole nother subject. Uh, you can get me fired up on this stuff, Roy, and I'll talk for an hour. Trust me. But, I, but I'm with you. The, the, the celebrities and the, uh, the famous people, yeah. If if not all protesters are, are are bad rioters, well, not all cops are bad cops either. So make up your mind, which it is. Make up your mind, people. Are we gonna support uh, the people on the ground uh, doing doing the hard work, or are we just gonna play to the mob and and really uh, want uh, you know just to feel good about ourselves and and you know, hey, we're we're not out there and and we're making uh, millions of dollars, and if, there's nothing wrong with people making millions of dollars. Trust me, but. Uh, you know what? <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I'm I'm all fired up now, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, those are those are just a little bit of my viewpoints. But like I said, I'm not the one to judge, and uh, I would never um, judge anybody for who they are or what they believe in or or anything like that because that's not for me. I just have my opinions. That's that's pretty much all it is. It's just my opinions and how I feel. Oh, well, hey, man, Roy, you know what, man, my man, you have a you have a great heart. You have a very clear head, <laughs> clear, very uh, uh, a good example to all of us out there uh, on, on how we should carry ourselves. You're a wonderful father and family, man. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. I really hope we get to talk to each other again soon. Uh, let's stay in touch, whether it be through social media or, or texting. And you know what? If I get down to Texas, you're the first person I'm calling. And next time you're in California, my friend, definitely uh, hit me up and, and let's get together. Absolutely. Thank you. And uh, and I appreciate your time. And thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. We'll, we'll hope to have you again uh, back real soon. All right. Awesome. You have a good one. Another big thank you to Roy Ramirez. Appreciate you taking the time to come on the program. Uh, my very best to your wife, to your kids. Uh, you know what? God bless uh, yourself, yourself, Roy, and just thank you for all that you do. It's been uh, so much fun catching up with you. 
yes, next time I'm in Texas, we will uh, bypass Whataburger and grab an In-N-Out burger. You know what I mean? So any, if you're out here, same thing, although there's no Whataburgers out here. But we don't need any Whataburgers. We got In-N-Out. That's all that matters. Anyway, Roy, thanks for sitting down and chatting with us, guys. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Well, guys, that'll wrap up another episode of the Get Home Safe podcast. It'll wrap up another week of episodes on the Get Home Safe podcast. We are rolling right along. We are approaching the end of the month of June. It seems like we just started the month of June, but here we are. We're going to take a couple days off Saturday and Sunday to regroup, take a breath of fresh air, just recharge the batteries, and we'll be back with episodes next week starting Monday morning, Monday through Friday. We'll have episodes out. We already have some interviews lined up. We'll be sure to put those out and we'll let you know about who will be on the program, whether it be the night before or post out a schedule, maybe on the weekend. Just keep an eye out uh, for all of our social media platforms. You know where to follow us. Our Twitter handle is Get Home Safe Pod. Our Facebook and Instagram page is Get Home Safe Podcast. And our email address is Get Home Safe Podcast at yahoo.com. I appreciate those who have emailed in who who have reached out through social media who continue to share our content it's just it's been just great and and i think you all anyone who's listened here for the past and eh, we'll say month or so i think you can kind of see the direction we're going in uh we're going to talk a lot more sports when sports does come back but we're touching on a lot of current events as well and, and just uh, thoughts uh, about how, how everybody's feeling and and you know just just current events you know <laughs> there's a lot to talk about unfortunately uh, you know, some good, some bad, and, and you know, it, it is what it is. So thanks for bearing with us. We operate through the Anchor app. You can listen to us there. If you listen to us through Apple or Spotify, wherever you listen to us, we really appreciate your time. It's been great seeing our total plays continue to climb. Just really excited about more, more uh, episodes coming out next week. I got a big guest list in front of me. I, I'm trying to put together recordings daily of uh, different people, and we'll try to get a little variety out there. Next week will be a little different, I can assure you, with some uh, some different content, some different guests. Uh, I really liked our our suds with studs uh, content or uh, segment, I should say, uh, that I'm going to try to put together every Friday if possible. But anyway, guys, I just appreciate it all from the bottom of my heart. People who listen, people who've reached out, uh, the people who are excited about coming on the program. Can't wait to sit down with you, put together some great content, some great interviews, and, and just catch up. It's, it's been fun doing it. I'm looking forward to the remainder of next week and, and the, the weeks to follow. It's, it's just a fun time. I'm just really excited about all this. So thank you all for the support. Let's uh, continue it. Keep going forward, guys. We'll take a few days off here, but we'll be back Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Stay safe out there. Things are changing. Things are opening up, but we still need to be safe no matter what we're doing, okay? So we'll see you Monday morning. And guys, no matter what you're doing, whether you're out on the town or around in third base, get home safe.